somebody with a kind of coarseness that does real semantic work. Was that what you were thinking about when you decided to write this book? I was interested in language like this because it's words like these that, in a certain sense, betray our real attitudes. When people talk about a word like incivility, for example, they're almost invariably not going to tell you what they're really thinking. It's a word that's cut out for op-ed pages and so on. When people use the A word, they're expressing genuine feelings and feelings they don't really think about much, which makes it all the more accurate as an indication of these attitudes. Yeah. How do you define it? Can you define it? You can define it as someone with an obtuse refusal to acknowledge what the situation requires. That's an abstract definition. I think it's better defined by example. When you ask somebody to define the word, they start giving you a list of names. <laughs> they don't go to Webster. <laughs> Yeah. There's a case I use, for example, a friend from Texas finds himself in New York on 9-11, got to get home to his family, freaked out, goes to the Hertz rental place. It's jammed with people with the same idea. He has beleaguered clerks, and this little guy comes into the room and walks to the front of the room and pulls out his wallet and says, excuse me, can you tell me where the gold card line is? <laughs> Everybody in that room had the same three-word sentence in his head, and the third word was not boar, right? Yeah. So it demonstrates these properties I'm talking about. There's an obtuseness there. This guy's not evil or, or malign. He's just obtuse. Yeah. In fact, at one point in the book, you talk about culpable obtuseness. A culpable obtuseness. He should know better. That's one reason why we don't use the A word, for example, of little children. They can merit the S word because there's a malignity that's innate in, in little kids sometimes. But you can't merit the A word until you're old enough so that you ought to know better. Yeah. And this guy in that Hertz place should have known better and was just occluding from himself the realities of the situation so he could take advantage of a little piece of plastic that gave him, he thought, uh, particular privileges in this setting. You know what I liked about that explanation and the, and the one that you give similarly in the book is the next piece of it. Somebody behaves like that and it gives us permission to use the word because they're so obviously, they're so obviously the A word. And when we use the word, we're being uncivil ourselves. It's an uncivil response to incivility. That's one of the things that fascinates me about it. Because you can't use this word without swearing at somebody. And in a certain sense, it gives us license to treat that person badly, to, to disrespect that person, often with reason, like this guy in the in the Earth's place. But often we depict the other person as an A-word precisely so that we can have the pleasure of being uncivil, of, of being a jerk back at them. <laughs> But being uncivil back at them, using the A-word back at them, it is more like being a jerk than, at least in the way I look at myself, being being the A-word. No, I think that's right. And I think one of the problems, particularly in, in public life, is that there's this kind of reciprocal A-wordism where you depict the people on the other side as people who merit this label, and that gives you the right to behave in the same way back at them. And I think that's the animating principle, for example, of cable talk shows political discourse in particular. We depict those guys as people who merit the A-word, as effete, uh, full of themselves, out of touch, pretentious, and so on. And that gives us the right to be Dirty Harry back at them. It is interesting, though, isn't it? Because you talk about the cable people, and in fact, it can be the people on either side of an issue, depending on where you are. Right. The word and the concept license a certain incivility. And when people complain about the incivility of public discourse, which they do all the time, I think this is really what they're complaining about. People say that this is a more uncivil age than previous ages, but the historians point out, no, they were talking that way during the McCarthy years, during the Roosevelt years. 
Anybody who's seen the film Lincoln, which accurately depicts the tone of political rhetoric of that period, can see that they were just as uncivil as we were. But we're uncivil in, in different ways. And in particular, this, this kind of A-wordism, this reciprocal nastiness, performed mostly for the enjoyment of our partisans. That's a new note in American political life. Is it really, or is it just that it seems more vulgar than uh, the kind of political rhetoric that was true a century or two ago? Because I've read that the political rhetoric at the time of the Founding Fathers was pretty nasty. It's always been nasty, and at times much nastier than it is now. I think there is a difference, though. A character like Westbrook Pegler, the acerbic columnist of the Roosevelt years, could say things about Roosevelt or about the Jews that would just be beyond the pale in contemporary political rhetoric in anywhere in public life. But he would not have thought to say of the 9-11 widows, as Ann Coulter did, that they were enjoying their husband's...